Yo, yo, welcome back, man. Part two of the day, episode 16, and I'm back here with Blackleaf, my co-host to the left of me. How are you doing, bro? Pat God's here. Awesome, bro. Big Amsterdam smoke outside today, huh? Hey, I mean, we've been chugging I'm, along. I'm loving Amsterdam, and we're joined here by two uh, gentlemen that have been gracious enough to welcome us in their country and ask us to be on their podcast. We decided to do a double feature special collaboration podcast. This is episode 16 for us, and uh, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Yes. Hello. Welcome. Uh, my name is Rens Hoppenbroos. I'm one of the guys from the High Tea podcast, and this is episode 44 for us. Hell and yeah. I want to introduce my uh, co-host from the High Tea podcast, Derek Bergman. Yo, Derek mm. Bergman here. I'm, uh, as Rens uh, rightly says, uh, co-host of the High Tea podcast, or uh, aka High Tea with Derek and Rens. We usually do the show in uh, Dutch, our native tongue, of course, but if we have uh, English-speaking and non-Dutch-speaking guests on the show, which is switch to English and make the best of it. And we sort of find the, the language of the plants is international. Yes, so absolutely. We can, we can usually connect to, to people in the cannabis, cannabis world, so to speak. It and brings people together. Yeah, and for us, it's, it's great. It's always good to be in Amsterdam. We did a few uh, legendary episodes already here, taped here in Amsterdam. And to be here at your spot, this is a really fantastic uh, location, really nice Airbnb. The only thing I uh, that we already came up against <laughs> is the is the smoking uh, policies here are quite super strict, and we so, smoke strong. So I know. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I heard. I yeah, heard. I yeah. think that we like took advantage of it. You know what I mean? Like when you have like five people in here smoking and a bunch of good weed and really good hash. I, I guess you do smoke out the whole building and But then again, upset. it's it smells really nice, you know. It's all good 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 smell that you can have. And this is, is Amsterdam. Yes. But, For you know, sake. Yeah, it is. That was the one issue we have had. <laughs> we didn't think it'd be that bad. We were even getting yelled at outside. We were smoking outside and they said it smells too strong outside. So then we had to go hide in the corner. They were like the area in the corner over there. That's yeah. your area for smoking. Yeah. And it's, then we got yelled at for that the other day too. So they said, can you go down to the park down the street and just smoke down there? It's been, That's how oh strong. Man. It's, yeah, been, it's so sad. <laughs> no. I'm sorry for the Dutch people and just but <laughs> welcome in the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. Super nice guys that we can finally uh, meet up. Because when I heard that you guys were doing a plan to have a, a European tour, it was really like I, I. It was for for me like okay, let's try to hook up, hook up and uh, do a collaboration uh, one time, because I'm a big big fan of you guys. Appreciate uh, that. You guys man. are really doing awesome, and you're bringing really really knowledge to the oh, people. Yeah. Renz, Renz, of course, drew me in to listen to uh, to you guys' uh, show. You know the, 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 and I I like it a lot. You know to hear it from your perspective, your kind, uh, your side of the ocean. It's very uh, interesting to speak for myself. I've been as a journalist, like writing and taking pictures and being in the scene since like 94. So uh, that's, that's a long time. So sometimes that's what, when, what's funny to me sometimes in the U S and also in Canada, the people say, I've been working in the cannabis space for five years. So I'm a real veteran. And then I'm sort of going, yeah, a real veteran. Yeah, really, yeah, really. And drug war veteran. You're still a soldier. Yeah. yeah, so so to to have seen all this and then really see the um, we were talking about this before when we we can't smoke inside here unfortunately like we always also try to do on our show. Yes, but we, we've been talking about this before how 
it was really the Americans that taught the Dutch people how to grow wheat and how to grow wheat inside. Because I, to me, that, that's always fascinating to go into the, the origin of things, you know. Who, was the, who were the pioneers in the cannabis space? Who were the first people to grow wheat in the Netherlands? And it's true, in the 60s, there were some people growing wheat outside in the Netherlands. And I actually met a few of them. But that was the common term for that wheat in the 60s and 70s here in the Netherlands was spinach. You'd call it spinach. Yeah? You wouldn't call it like brickweed because it was even worse than brickweed. You couldn't get stoned of it. It was more like a symbolic thing. It rains here every day. It's just terrible. It's imp- I mean, the greenhouse would even be a little difficult. You need extra lighting if you do it in a greenhouse. Yes. So then uh, what happened is, is uh, thanks to prohibition, you could say, thanks to the war on drugs and the DEA, you started doing these police operations in California for the first time using the helicopters in the 70s to bust all the out- outdoor growers. That's when the, when the California guys went inside. And these original granddaddies are the ones that came over to Amsterdam and, and, and taught us how to do it. So there were some pioneers that, that sort of also figured it out a bit by themselves, but hey, they were reading High Times magazine. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the beginning for a lot of people. Uh, when we just spoke to Mila, she brought that up. She, I, we said, when was the first big events for smoking or sessions? Thinking it would go before that. And she said, honestly, the High Times Cannabis Cup, we all look forward, even the first Absolutely. one. That's awesome to hear because as a kid growing up, that was all I wanted to go to. I mean, all of us. Yeah, I, I, I sadly is before my time. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still a rookie, to be honest. I'm, I'm in this industry for a little bit more than seven years, eight years. I started as a graphic designer. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I started working at my father's cake store because I was a little bit tired of sitting behind the computer the whole day. And... While I was working at the shop, I was thinking like I, I was starting smoking already. And I started thinking like, why is there not a coffee shop in my, in my town? Because I live in a little town near Eindhoven. And there there were like 15 coffee shops. But I needed to drive in like 30 minutes to it. And I was living in a, in a, in a, in a city where like 60,000 people and we had everything, uh, uh, clubs, uh, uh, like everything a normal city would have, except a coffee shop. <laughs> so I started to, to see. Or he to had his check. mission. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to organize to, to open a coffee shop there. And I really got, I got yeah, a lot of headache and a lot of, uh, yeah, I say that it didn't work out. People were really against it. And I, at some point I couldn't say like, like they had a lot of opinions and stomach feelings about it. And I could always overrule them. But at one part, they, I could say to them like, okay, you're right. Because I said that the coffee shops right now still has to deal with the black market to operate the coffee shops. And because they of the Dutch government. Exactly. And, and he didn't want to me getting in touch with the criminals. My city, I said it, my mayor. Yeah. So that's almost the mayor saying we need reform, which oh, yeah. is the government saying, no, we're not giving it. Excellent. You can import it. We don't want you growing it here, oh, obviously. That. No, import as well. It's not allowed. Okay. But it's, they think uh, it magically shows up? Exactly. <laughs> that's what they jokingly say <laughs> when they asked about it in interviews. Really, yeah. the high-rise uh, politicians in, uh, on the ministerial level, they, they sort of jokingly say that. 
and and most of the journalists in the I would say in the Netherlands that if they cover this subject cannabis and the coffee shops, they will put they will put like uh, legalize it by Peter Tosh underneath you know the the news <laughs> item and make it into one big joke and then yeah. if the minister said oh yeah it falls out of the sky I think uh, yeah yeah everybody knows it's forbidden. And they make it into some kind of joke. Well, what does it mean? We, we call it in, it's, it's been known as like the back door problem because like the front door of the coffee shop, as you know, here in Amsterdam or in the, the other cities that have the coffee shops, the front door is not a problem. You could, you go in, you may show, have to show your ID that you're 18 plus, but then you're good. The problem is in the back door. All the, the growing of cannabis is illegal. The importing, the wholesale, anything to get your product that you are selling, it's it's totally illegal. The fact that it is illegal, that means that you have rip deals. You know, if somebody steals your weed from you, you cannot go to the police because they will arrest you. If you say somebody stole five kilos of this really good weed for, for my coffee shop, you cannot do it. So what does that mean? Obviously that you need some kind of protection and that's when all the shit starts going wrong. And we've been having this problem, this backdoor problem, 40 years, with 40 years of activism. Well, I wouldn't say 40 years because the first 20 years, it wasn't that bad because police weren't really going after the growers, you know, going after the coffee shops. Then it was quite relaxed. But my own organization of which I'm chairman is called VOC, the the, uh, Union for the Abolition of Cannabis Prohibition. We started in 2009 because already back then we could see this is now it's really going backwards now we are really losing out we could already see the the change coming to your to your country in america we could see you know the different uh, countries that moving in the right direction and things started going horribly wrong here and everything more repression harsher punishments you used to be able to get 30 grams every time in the coffee shop like a full ounce you could buy it right? oh that'd be beautiful oh yeah now you can buy five grams Why did they change it? Because we got the criticism from the French president way back in the 90s. And instead of our politicians standing up for for our policy and saying, Mr. French president, how many people die of using hard drugs like heroin in your country? Interesting. With us, it's like 10% of yours. And then how many people actually smoke cannabis in your country, Mr. French president? It's actually double the amount that we have in the Netherlands. Yes. Instead of doing that, they were they were going on their knees and saying, okay, we, we will change the 30 grams to 5 grams. We will change the age restriction. <clears throat> I'm uh, getting to be old. You know, I turned 50 this summer. When I was 16, I could legally go into the coffee shop because the age was 16, which back then the alcohol restriction age was also 16, which really worked out quite well. Because I wasn't drunk, I wasn't drunk all the time. Yeah, yeah. It basically meant that like younger people had a more sort of normalized way of sort of going using these substances and knowing, learning from their parents and and also from other kids how to sort of deal with them. And of course, if you are, that, that's to me always the defining argument. When will you start experimenting <clears throat> with weed or with drugs in general? When you're 21? Nah, I don't think so. Eh. 16, 17, or maybe 15. Yeah. And then if you know that if you reach that age of 16, then you can legally buy at least some, because you could even say that if you're 16 and 17, then maybe only buy one gram, you know, a day. Yes, that's smart. Yeah, 21 plus customers, they can buy 30 grams. But this way, this used to always be the way of our drug policy, pragmatic. That, you know, not morally motivated. Almost all your policies, to be honest, you guys are very progressive and everything's very amazing. 
Uh, but now, if you live the here, the you're sort of behind the scenes that okay. we, we, it sort of looks like that. And, and, and in a way it is, you know, yes. if you compare us to a lot of other countries, I'd say we are more progressive, but, but to, uh, to get, to get like, uh, non-Dutch people to understand this, I usually explain to them the difference between, uh, tolerating something. This is what usually the policy is called, uh, the tolerance policy, tolerance for cannabis. But it's a very different thing from accepting whether I tolerate that you are here with me in the room or I accept or, or, or welcome you being here in the room. And that's really the, the big difference. To a lot of, especially politicians, they really look down on people that use cannabis. They think we Crazy. are total losers. They really have this backward idea, most of them, that because we smoke weed, we can't do anything. Which, of course, in uh, in this uh, area, oh, my English maybe, <laughs> but it's so interesting. <laughs> you, you guys traveled all the way here. You know, we have all these uh, this equipment. We're working here. It's on the weekend. You know, we are very active. We're making media. You guys are episode sixteen. We are episode forty four. I think we are good examples that you can smoke a lot of weed and a lot of very good weed and be super productive. You know, yes. and make a lot of stuff happen. It's so, funny. I had absolutely. someone give me some advice one time as a grower. And they said, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, wow, it's an interesting point, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. What, what I love is just this term, which I'm pretty sure is an American term, master grower. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough one. Most real growers will shy away from being called that because uh, I would consider growing like karate or like martial arts. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You're kind of in it for life. Yeah. And yeah. uh there's always striving always, higher. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, there are guys that will call themselves that. No, no, no. But even if you just to come up with the term and, and put it on somebody else here in the Netherlands, you, you're like a common criminal. You're, you're a low life. <laughs> if you're a grower, the, the whole mental, uh, idea, the mental space to call somebody a master grower of cannabis is foreign because we have, we've been having this repression wave for, for 20 years. That's wild because, uh, we're, where I talk to guys when I'm, when I'm working with younger growers, I, when I'm talking to them, I tell them that I think in 15, 20 years, this will be like, you'll be like a baseball player. Oh yeah. You like yeah. people will be like, Oh, I know the guy that grew that that's that guy. Or he grows for that company. Even the company won't, might not even be as relevant as the head grower for those guys, man. He's like a rookie. He's coming up in the league, you know, yeah. very similar to sports players. We've talked about that. Me and Pat. That's, fantastic. Pat That's a, a fantastic image. I'd say. Yeah. I, I really tell young growers that I say, you guys have had it never better. Some of the guys I've worked with, this was their first job and it was 150 light grow. I, yeah, There's no I, better yeah. time to get in it than now. You know, I mean, you can really become somebody and show your, your skills and your difference and, and your knowledge and just your love. I mean, love beats everything. Passion beats skill, in my opinion. And then would you say that that's, it, it, that it's enough to really get this plant and, and use, use like plants for growing and making this, this fantastic end product? Or is it really also about making your own crosses and making new varieties? What, what would you say is? Um, I think it's so competitive right now in California and in the United States that you almost have to have all your own strains. Would you agree? I mean, you got to have your own lineup. You got to have, it's just for you to grow other people's strains. They better be the best. You mm. better grow them better than anybody else grows them. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Or 
you have to have your own strains and all, you know, and also grow them well. I'm not saying don't, but yeah, it, it's very competitive. You got you to gotta have your own hit single before you can make an album. There we go. That's how, that's how <laughs> I, it kind of goes right now. I think you made that. Yeah, uh, it's funny that you mentioned it yeah. because like you were um, comparing it to, um, some other, oh, to sports. Yeah, yeah, I'm to the so base, to stoned of that week. Yo, shout, out so to, <laughs> shout out to Fire Farmer Holy because uh, we put him on that midnight snack. He's putting yeah. it down. Oh, yeah. I was already Sangria. worried about that. I'm so I'm Man. really sorry about that. But I, I'll i help you out. You keep, with that fresh to it. You, you made the comparison yeah. with baseball players as exactly. growers. But yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I also compare it to like with uh, artists and like um, record labels. Record labels. Mm. And like they have like artists under them. And instead of they bring albums out they bring strains out yes and like yeah, it's a thinking but i always thought like that's a, a way like little growers could, could compete against the big licensed producers so they it's like a, a, a i say that they can start uh, uh being uh, famous i say that they like i can i can, how can you say that Celebrity, um, like celebrity then. almost. Like, or you, like if a you're a grow star. If you, yeah, if you have a growth facility, you can bring little growers with them. Yes. You can make albums or like yep. breeders. Make them, uh, make them good, out yeah. Them. That's how like I stars. see it's, it's the future. It really is like that because right now what you're seeing in the United States is companies that are either nowhere or somewhere, right? And their head grower will then either come on board or leave and the company will go downhill. And it's an ongoing thing of like, hey, bring on this grower, pay him all this money. We'll get all this information. And then when we stabilize and everything's built out and we learn everything, ah, let's let him go. Okay. We can hire four or five people in, in his place. Exactly. And do the and, same work. And yeah. And then. That's the American way. But exactly. <laughs> but the, that's why I say I think the grower will even supersede Capitalism. the brand sometimes. Because when brands bring in the right grower. It's like the partnership born in heaven. And that's Excellent. the issues with the American market as far as I see it, is, you know, just explaining to you is, yeah, yeah. is that's why I think of them as baseball players. Cause like, yeah, you have your team, but you have your players. And when the new players come on the team, it makes the team And of better. course for it's, the, for the, for our European listeners, that will be the soccer here. Yeah. Right, right now, now it's soccer fans all over Europe are talking about Messi leaving Barcelona. It's sort of the same thing. You can be a fan of Barcelona, but hey, if Messi goes... You're going to watch the new team that Messi is going to for sure. And they might not score as many goals. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Interesting. You know, Interesting. so yeah, it's, it is like that. What I was wondering about with all these fantastic products on the market, you know, in California and in, in all the legal states, uh, more or less, are people also still growing their own or, or is absolutely. that too much good product? No, absolutely. Everybody, there's people growing their own. There's people growing their own everywhere. There's so many states online right now that... I think that that's why our podcast has become popular quickly because a lot of people are working in grows. They're trimming, yeah, doing monotonous work and they're listening to the podcast while they're doing it because it's relatable and it's conversation within the community, which there's not a lot of conversation being created. Um, especially not knowledge, you know, there's people growing in literally in every state, hundred percent. Yeah. Every um, single and state they, they've the been US. doing this for years. I mean, there's probably people in Georgia that have been growing for 30, 40 years. Like, it's been going on. It's just now it's elevated and now there's licensing and now there's legitimacy and we're, we're no longer looked at as criminals and it is a career path and yeah. people are taking it serious now and they're seeing the, you know, the lucrative aspect of it. Hey, if you figure it out, if you tax it, if you regulate it, 
the consumers want it, give it to them. You know what I mean? So we still have a long ways to go. Still federally illegal. Um, that's a big problem for a lot of things, a lot of banking. reasons, banking and uh, taxes and can't write anything off and stuff like that. But um, I, I will say this. I came here when I was 19 back in 2007 and I was, I loved it. I loved the experience. It was much more free than the U S could ever be with cannabis. In my opinion, in my experience. Now I hadn't been to, I hadn't been to Cali yet and I hadn't been to Colorado yet. I came here first cause I thought, Hey, Amsterdam's like the spot, the, you know, this, I should come here first. I loved it. But now coming here back years later, I realized that like Amsterdam stayed right where it was in 2007 or maybe before, before, you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it just stayed stuck. And then meanwhile, in the U S like, we're progressed more than oh, I ever would have imagined in my yeah. entire life, even though it's still not federally legal. We are seeing things that are insane. The biggest facilities, millions of dollars being invested in the, in this space. Uh, just, just insane brands worth hundreds of millions, you know, even some of our homies and stuff, their brands are worth millions right now. And uh, it's cool that we were all just coming up doing high times events and, at tables and sessions and all this like four or five years ago. And to now fast forward and know that I, I feel like Cali cannabis is all over the world. Yeah. I think it's it finance where all over the world. And, and then, and I think it's just, the, just walking. I think it's the only place in the world that is being brought all over the world. Yeah. I think uh, walking over here to the tram uh, stop, we passed the coffee shop and they had a sign visible from the window. Cali wheat, two varieties. <laughs> the one was, I, I think, 30. I seen it. The one was 30 and the other one was 20. A gram? A euros? gram? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's a lot of money, it you know, is. especially 30 euros for just a gram of uh, butts. And it's for us, really, really good. A lot. We do, what, about three gram joints, two, and, two to three gram joints of just coming from the U.S. from yeah. just and, flour. And it's expensive there. I mean, it's not that it's cheap there. That's, mm. that's, that's the thing, too, is that. You know, good, good herb is expensive. You know what I mean? It's expensive to produce. It's expensive to, um, to have that kind of company. It just is. Yeah. You know, you can't cut costs. So I get that part. And, um, for the consumer, of course you want to make it affordable. And, and I know all the producers that want to make that happen. And I think that prices will come down and regulate more. And as we can, they must, you know, as we can, and taxes need to be more reasonable. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. We're battling that out, yeah. especially on California and stuff. Um, That's a fun They fact. think that it's an endless, endless uh, bankroll of just uh -huh. money flowing in, like just, you know, free money. But no, it's you, a you real business with real it, overhead. You should have pulled it the same way in America, like we uh, have it here in the Netherlands, because this, uh, I love this story. It's, you can go actually to the coffee shop. Uh, it's known as the, the, the Siberia uh, verdict because here was this guy that ran coffee shop Siberia that's still open. It's one of the first ones, a real nice one. And he sort of sat there really stoned thinking <laughs> about prohibition, about uh, the legality of the plant that is not there eh, in the Netherlands. It's only tolerated. It's still all strictly illegal. And then he's sort of thinking, well, if it's strictly illegal, how is it possible that I have to pay tax on it if it's a strictly illegal thing and on the federal national level? So he just went to the tax office next day and he said, uh, I've been paying my taxes on this illegal product, <laughs> but uh, I think it's really impossible if the product is illegal, how can you put tax on it? 
and he went to court over it and he won. And, and then he got like 3 million euros immediately back for all the money that he already had paid in taxes. And ever since, there is no value-added tax, that one, on, on cannabis because it's an illegal product. So the coffee shops do pay taxes, but on, on their total profit. They are not like any other product that you can buy as the normal value-added tax to it, but you cannot have it with cannabis. Yeah, why... It should be the same in the U.S. that you say, well, it's, it might be legal on the state level, but not on the federal one. So, hey, there cannot be any taxes. But maybe it's only the, the local taxes that it's you pay state anyway. Taxes. Yeah, 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 it's just state taxes. And then it's real taxes. high. 20 to 30 percent. Yeah, here it's nothing. <clears throat> Crazy. Zero percent, really. It becomes a 30-year bill. So if you if you go in and your bill's uh, $60, 20 of that goes straight to the, the state okay. and the government. Which is a lot because, yep. I mean, add that up every day because that's what uh, users do. You know, that's yep. what smokers do. So it, it is crazy. It, uh, Pat God said something that really rang true. It's like, we need what you guys have over here and you guys need what we have yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah, really. It's like a yeah, mixing really of, the, is. of both. Is it it's maybe a, like the grass is greener on the other side thing? Or is no, it really- it's just that we have polar opposite worlds in that. We need coffee shops and lounges where we can consume. Cause and we need good we, growers. And you guys need fast. to go to grow it and sell it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we're, we're able to grow and sell it, but we can't consume it anywhere for the most part. Yes. Yeah. Um, you guys aren't able to grow it or sell it, but we're able to consume here. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's blasphemy. It's pretty ironic. That's really, that, that's also, indeed, it's a fun thing. The only thing that's legal with cannabis in the Netherlands is to actually use it when you're 18 or, yeah. or older, to use it. But then I recently had this discussion when we did the Kana bus project, when we bust all around the country for the elections to get the smoking uh, vote out. It, it was a great adventure. Ben's helped me out also a lot with that project. I had this interview with uh, like an, uh, what do you call it, a justice attorney, uh, what do you call it, that's in the justice department and goes after like people before the police does it. Prosecutor. The prosecutor, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I said this uh, while we were doing the interview, and she said, "No, the use is also illegal." So I said, "No, I know this for a fact. You know, I've been doing this over twenty-five years. I know <laughs> it's not in. There's a whole lot of things in the opium law to have it, to transport it, to uh, give it away, to sell it. That's all in the law. You cannot do it. But using it, it's not in the law." And then she said, "Yeah, but how can you use something if you cannot own it legally?" So that means, in fact, that also the you you cannot use it without owning it. So, so that was her interpretation was even stricter. So that would mean that even the use is not uh, legal in the Netherlands. But basically, wow. this is what you have to know. The only thing it's is is legal to use it, and then on a local level, the the city council can say for uh, any kind of territory within the city limits, if it's not the whole city, that it's it's not. Uh, legal to consume it outside in the in the public area there, and that's also a very Dutch thing. They cannot do it for the whole the whole ground of the whole town, but they can do it, say, for all the squares in the town, or you know. So the, they'll give you the some. whole center. They'll yeah, give you some. Yeah. Like sorry, but uh. and then if you are a smoker, if you're a consumer. Either you have to look on the on the you know on all the websites of the the cities that you are visiting to be sure. If the policeman, if he comes over to you and say, you're not allowed to smoke that weed here outside to know if, if he's like, correct, you cannot know it. 
All this stuff, you know. Designated smoking uh, areas, crazy. To, to me, like uh, I had been writing about all this bullshit for 13 years before I got into activism. And that was really also out of frustration that, come on, how, how can you be serious about this? How can you have shops selling cannabis, but you're not allowed to grow cannabis? All this shit. And uh, so, yeah, we are still we are still working on getting it legal. Yeah. But it takes really, really very long. And this, uh, this is what I said in a different podcast to a grower, and it's going to suck because as they go legal, it seems like it's the thing that you guys are going to want to do. And then I feel like well, just like everywhere else, once you get to the other side of it, you're going to be looking back like, damn, those were the days, you know, because just because you'll realize how good you had it with it being unregulated because they'll start regulating it like halfway and then changing the regulations. And then it's just real mind fucking that you're just like, you're doing all this stuff that's costing all this money and seems impossible to complete. And then they're like, now we're going to nope, That's actually the old way. Not now we're going to do this way. This is the new makes no sense. Still so you no have sense. to undo all that. And it's kind of what they did to all the businesses in Corona and, you know why mm. the small businesses went under. I mean, they're making a possible chase and no one really knows what's going on or like what to do. Like even in California now or the U S now, nobody really knows what the hell is going on. Everyone's just trying to follow the guidelines as best as they can yeah. and not screw up. That's literally it. No one knows if they're hundred percent legal. Well, I mean, cannabis taxes alone, people drive every week or month to the state capital and we'll, or, or this, you know, or the IRS and we'll literally drop cash off hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes because we have to pay taxes, but we can only pay them in cash and they have to be dropped. Yeah, so that's people, crazy. Yeah. So yeah. they've people allowed it. Yeah. Well, they want the money. Yeah. So we want our money, but, but you can't get banking and we're not going to allow you to do anything yeah. else, but please be here on Friday. Yeah. That's well, and if you're not here by Monday, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's you know what the people crazy. do it because the people want to do right and they just want security. And they want to be left alone with their families and they want to enjoy their herb. And most cannabis people are friendly people. So they want to like, Absolutely. they want to abide by the laws. Most people don't want to sit here and break. Just like when no. we spoke to Mila and she says, we lost a third of our growers, if not more because of the Dutch government coming down so hard on things and yep. all that oh, immediately. She yes. said, that's why the cannabis has suffered so much recently. And, and it just makes total sense. I mean, I agree. Eradication is a real thing uh, all over the world. And it doesn't work. It's something that's just, I don't know, I would say outdated and just not relevant anymore to how much production is really going on in the scope of things. But the, it just shows the grass is always greener because we're over here and we have all this production and we have something to complain about, right? We're always talking like, why can't we go to a lounge? Like, we wish we had Amsterdam. And then they're on this side where you can't even buy a carbon filter for your house. <laughs> I know. Like we want, we were smoking and we thought, Oh, because of the issue, we'll fix this problem. Yeah. No, get can't. a carbon filter. We have like, um, I have hundreds of gross stores by me. I'll just run up the street, grab a little carbon filter, put the fan on it. And within a couple hours, the house will be clear smell. I Googled for like 10 minutes and then started to realize. And then I talked to a grower and he's like, dude, you got to know somebody. Like if you walked into the gross store here and said, Hey, I'd like to get these lights and this, they'd say, sir, or like, we don't know what you're talking. He said, they have to come in. And then they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on one second. We yeah. go to the bank, but that's crazy because the Dutch government insane. There is missing missing out on taxes, missing out on business, missing out on even tourism. Like the, I know it's maybe not the tourism they want, but well, the amount is insane. It, isn't it a little too late to say it's not the tourism they want? 
Yeah, they want like Amsterdam is Amsterdam. Like they I don't think you change can change it. that. I don't think you yeah. can. You guys are like, always. I honestly the top. don't think you can. And yeah. to be honest, the younger generations are curious and they want to come to Amsterdam. That's and, just the reality. And to and me, I, they, and, they and should. I think they should be let. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Course. It's beautiful. I absolutely. And love this it. city, you know, for over city full over five hundred years has been like this beacon of liberty. It's not a new thing, you know. Exactly. It's Philosophers a- and people with the, the wrong kind of religion they flocked here. That this is interesting. Amsterdam people will never admit this to you, but I'm not from here, so I can tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we have our golden uh, century here? Made all this money. It's because we got all the refugees coming from Antwerp, which is now in Belgium. And they all came here because they were allowed to have their religion the way they wanted it here in the Netherlands. And these were really, there were a lot of Jews also there. A lot of, you know, the diamond people and the money people. Yeah, they, they came here and they contributed so much to, to the wealth that made the, our golden century here. So it was like basically built on being tolerant. And on 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 really uh, cherishing liberty, and and also giving that to other people that that come to your city to have that. So uh, to me, it's heartbreaking because I'm critical of Amsterdam being from the south of the Netherlands, but as a world citizen, which I am mo- most foremost, I'm very proud of that heritage of Amsterdam of of the freedom, you know. And of course, and I think. Like you said before, the most people that are in cannabis, they are kind people. Yes. I think it also goes for a lot of the cannabis tourists, if you can even call them that, because that's also what, uh, and there's so much prejudice against it, the idea that if you are a smoker, that you will only go to a coffee shop, you will be nonstop smoking weed, not do anything else, not go to a restaurant, not be in a hotel, not buy souvenirs, and, and making a nuisance of yourself, which is really what is done by people who are drunk. Not yeah. by people who are high on weed. It's the opposite. <laughs> I mean, we we smoke a joint and then we're like, what's the best food in the area? Yeah. And then we go back and smoke another joint and they say, you want to go to a museum or should we go on a boat ride? Maybe we should rent the whole boat yeah. out ourselves because then we won't have a problem smoking on it. <laughs> so that's the moves we make as stoners. Of course. So tell me we're not even coming over the top more than most people. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, look at we rented the whole Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> Because we wanted to have some freedoms to smoke. So it's like most of the time they think it's this, but it's actually the opposite. Mm. Most, most people who mm. come here to look how much money they're spending on just weed. You think that's all the money they have? Yes. <laughs> you know, so yep, yep. I've I mean, met so many more intricate people that smoke weed than, than people that drink alcohol on the regular. Most people I know that drink alcohol on the regular or tend to be very sloppy. <laughs> or just mean you know and, and it could go the same way for weed honestly but at the end of the day it's not a guarantee but it's yeah, it uh, you know the, at the end of the day it's I, a difference I, it's usually a good sign i would a say a tastemaker's a tastemaker and a wastemaker's a wastemaker <laughs> that's pretty we've, much how it goes we've met some amazing people out here and i i'm way more social with cannabis i think cannabis out here is Absolutely. so social man one of the big things we've recognized out here is it was nine o'clock at night no lights are on in any houses. And we're like, holy shit, man, everyone's out and about and everyone's being social. Everyone's in the coffee shops. Everyone's smoking. It just is different. And not everyone's on their phones. Oh, very different in the weed community and in the social community. We go mm-hmm. to, we'll go to a session. We'll go to even a, the one or two lounges that are allowed and everyone's on their phones. And it's a very like, Hey, are you done? Hurry up and get out of here atmosphere. Versus here, it's just the culture is different and it resembles the businesses. 
like, yeah, come sit down for a few hours. Would you like any tea? Would you like this? Let's let me serve you versus what would you like? What do you want? And did you experience this time? Is it also you had it nine years ago as well? He did. I have yeah. not. This is my first maybe time. They, because now you're here for the program and maybe they know you more. So they no, give no. extra. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we like no one really ever recognizes we, we, us. I, nobody recognizes us. Yeah, yes. we've never, we've <laughs> never put faces to the brand. We did some video content this trip and, and we probably will because just the people are asking for it. but. In general, though, just the way the community is out and about conversating and being a community with each other, it's just, it's a different culture. You just, you don't see that in Los Angeles. I mean, you don't see that in U.S. states or anything like that. Like, yeah, everyone's generally out happy and enjoying company of each other. Nothing more than nothing less. And also very much focused, you know, on being on a bike or walking in town and not only being uh, in your car uh, or maybe public transport. This is bike city. I mean, there's no more. I've never seen a city with more bikes in Amsterdam. And it's a great way. You can tell, you can tell with the air too. The air is great quality here. Yeah. You know, in Los Angeles, we have a pollution problem. We had a bike system. Sure. It would work out and help out a lot more, but I think it's just too far gone over there. And Mm -hmm. It's sad to say, you know what I mean? So Yeah, but you never know. With Corona, that was one of the great things I saw coming out of it from Paris, is that really in the center of Paris, they have uh, changed a lot of the, the motorways for, just for bikes, so people can ride their bikes right in the center, because nobody really dared to go on the metro, because, you know, it's a Corona, you're all standing so close to each other, and with the cars, it's, it's yeah, the bike is perfect for it, we all know it in the Netherlands. But to see the, the 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 roads actually being converted and seeing all these bikes along the you know the famous uh, Parisian boulevards, that to me sort of showed yeah you can you can change it. That there's one account I follow on Twitter that has a it's great what they they do like two pictures all the time of um, a street say 50 years ago in the Netherlands a lot of in Amsterdam too and now how the street is now when they converted it basically for only bikes. And, and pedestrians, for people walking there. So you can really see, it used to look so ugly, all these cars, and now it's great because if you have that, you always get also more trees and, you know, just more green in the in the street because you can do it if there's only bikes and, and pedestrians there. So progressive. So maybe in Los Angeles, they, they because to me, <clears throat> this might be a bit, we have this history segment in our podcast, which is called uh, From the Old Box, so we can maybe uh, just uh, improvise a very short one here. One guy that was very important in Amsterdam Magical Center, as they called it in the 60s. This, this Amsterdam was a magnet for young people in, in the 60s, like also London and San Francisco was, but Amsterdam, that's when it started to be a very big draw for young people. And it was... The weed, but it was the hash basically because most people were doing <laughs> the hash there. Yeah, and one of the 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 people that that was really active in sort of promoting this and being in the, in the underground circuit and 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 the subcultural magazines and all this was a guy called uh, Robert Jasper Grootveld, and he he coined two phrases that are still quite well known in the Netherlands. One is in Dutch, "Een tevreden roker is geen onruststoker," which would translate as a satisfied smoker doesn't make any trouble, which is very true, of course, for people who smoke cannabis. And the other one is, that's lesser known, but I, I love it, I think, even more. It's about the bike. Bike in Dutch is fiets. 
En dan en is slogan was... Een fiets is iets, maar bijna niets. En dat would translate... A bike, it is, it is something, but it's almost nothing. Meaning, but the environment is great. It doesn't take up all the space, you know. It doesn't cost much. It's really almost nothing to have the bike, but it is something. And I lo- and of course, in, in Dutch, you have the rhyme. Because bike fits something, eats it's good. nothing. I like that a needs. lot. Honestly. It's deep, too. It's really, very, very deep. deep. And this guy was just, <laughs> he was... Uh, He was right in the middle of what you could say. Is this guy crazy or is he a total genius? <laughs> right, right, you right, know, right. And he was one of the big, he has this uh, skit that he, 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 he was the guy that made up the phrase Amsterdam Magic Center because he was asked somewhere to, ma- to make a speech and he didn't have any preparation. And he stood there in all, you know, a room full of people and he really didn't know what to do. And then he got this sort of a vision and he, he started talking right away about it. He said, All these young people will come to Amsterdam. They will come to the Vondelpark. They will sleep at the monument on the on Dam Square. This all came came to be true because these were the hippies, and they did actually camp here in the Vondelpark and went to the Dam Square uh, War mo- Monument, being there and and smoking weed. So this guy, he, he was uh, yeah a real uh, phenomenon. Who who would uh, like who do Dutch people coin as the cannabis pioneers here? Like who are the, no, cause like on, on, from the United States, we have ours that we see as Dutch. Like these are the guys, but I have a feeling they're not the same guys. I would say maybe because it's a good question. Because it's we a had lovely the, question. Yeah. Because we had the documentary series here. That was all, that was like a, a milestone and a good moment that for the first time, really uh, TV journalists really went dove into this subject of cannabis and the coffee shops in the Netherlands and made like a six part documentary series on national TV about it. And they basically had the big three, and, and I would, would agree with them. The, the first one is Werner Bruining, who opened up the first coffee shop here in Amsterdam called Mellow Yellow. The second one is Ben Dronkers, who, who started Sensi Seeds, who started the Hash Museum here in Amsterdam, who first had a coffee shop in Rotterdam called Sensi Smile. So that, that's interesting. And then the third one would be Henk de Vries, the founder of uh, the Bulldog that is really... I think worldwide, the most recognizable guy, most recognizable brand. If you ever heard of Amsterdam and weed, you, you've heard of the Bulldog. So you, you got to have a lot of respect for them. And these, these three men, it was very good. I know them quite well because I've, I've been doing it as a journalist, writing about cannabis so long, you, you got to know these guys. <laughs> and to me, to see them on TV and have, have so much time devoted to their story was great, you know? To, to finally, finally, like, like we explained before, if you're a grower, you, you're seen a, as a criminal by a lot of people, like some kind of troublemaker, whatever. We could never come up with a term like master grower. It will take us years from now to even maybe get to that level. So what did they reference them in the documentary? Outlaws or pioneers? As pioneers. Yeah, pioneers. Okay, so yeah. that's the start of it. Yeah. There was, there was some criticism that it was like too uh, pro-cannabis, but to me... Oh, man. And what's, what's very interesting wow. about this, and then, then you can see the paradoxical, uh, how paradoxical our country really is. The filmmaker guy, the producer, is a guy called Robert Uy. He's married to the mayor of Amsterdam, which is the first female mayor. She's in there now. First female mayor ever in 600 years of Amsterdam. Wow. From a party called, called Green Left. 
And she's the one who's trying to introduce a tourist man for the coffee shops. How's that? How's that? Holy Insane, huh? Wow. Very dropped. progressive. A bomb just got dropped on yeah. knowing what's up with Amsterdam. I mean, yeah. it's so shit. fucked up. You're the first her husband. Woman. Her husband knows the whole bit because he made this six-part really good documentary series about and it. And it has some, uh-huh. and, and put pioneers, not outlaws, so has some respect for these people. I think a lot, because otherwise he couldn't have made it. I mean, come on. That's very interesting. I, Derek has always has the, 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 the thoughts that it's going to be a, a, a secret move of her, right? Like how you said it. Actually going to be very I was, aggressive. I was and then so, she say, okay, I see it's not working. Let's do the opposite. You know, let's get more coffee shops or get more. I was so puzzled by it. Always, I thought this must be some kind of a tactical move. I, I, it's not, how can you explain that she would do it? But, but on top of all this, she has, she has like a major in criminology. Hey, then you know what prohibition means, what war on drugs means. Yeah, what we've seen it many times. Means. Yeah. yeah. If you studied it like her. So it's crazy. So then I'm thinking she gets a lot of flack. You could, you could wait for it. She's a very, her party is very progressive. It's green left. They're, they're almost on the extreme left, you could say. But I vote a lot for this party. Not all the time, but I have voted for them. And she's a woman. Yeah, so she's going to get all this shit, like 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 uh, Hillary Clinton in, in the States, you know? You know that conservative people, they'll have a field day. Because Calling you think her progression, but not soft, progression all Soft lines. on drugs, soft on foreigners and immigration. Uh, she uh, wants to spend our tax money on bullshit uh, art project and uh, tolerance uh, bullshit. Yeah. Let's protect the homeless. Yeah, so, so maybe... But let's not let you do... So, but maybe her, her thinking and her tactics is they can never say that I am soft on drugs if I am the first ever mayor to promote the tourist ban for, for coffee shops. Because up till now, all the mayors of Amsterdam have said, maybe you will have this close to the border, but please, we will not have this in Amsterdam. We get 2 million people to visit the coffee shops. If they cannot go in the coffee shops, all the dealers will be all over the place. It will be one big, big... <laughs> will you talk about... Well, I mean, do, do okay. you Hell. think do you think <laughs> yes. people would come here as often without the coffee shops? That's how much of a decline question. would you see in tourism realistically? That's a very good question because I know they come here more for that than the red light district. Yeah, and that aspect. What the mayor has done is is uh, she uh, ordered some research. A thousand people in the red light district were asked if you were not longer able to go to the coffee shop. Would you still come to Amsterdam in the red light district? And then about 70%, I, I think, said, no, yeah, we, then we wouldn't come. But of course, it's not a lot of people that were asked. But to do it right there in the red light district where, where everybody goes just for that, you know, it's the vice district. You go for the prostitution and, and for the coffee shops, for the drugs. That, that's why you're there. If you would have done it on the airport... Or maybe in the Rijksmuseum and ask the people, if you could no longer come to a coffee shop, would you still come to Amsterdam? <laughs> then 95% would say, yeah, of course, I would still come. And to me, the reality, and I know so many non-Dutch people who come here for the coffee shops, they want the whole package. Because like you, that, that's what I really like when you, when you, it's always good to have praise for your country and for Amsterdam, but you also praise the atmosphere. The way that people, you know, it's not only the coffee shop. No, it's the whole experience of Amsterdam. It's the way that the city looks. It's the canals and the way that most people would interact. 
And that's of course where they're coming from. So that whole idea, the whole idea, they call it, you, you are called in official terms, drug tourists. That's, that's how they see you. Even if you spend all this money, they will see you as drug tourists, which to me is such an insult for, for people who we should be welcoming. Because it's not only what we did. We also rented a full boat out. We also yeah, hired a, a three-star Michelin chef to come cook dinner one yeah. night. We also wow. went to some of the Shout rest. Out to Dizzy Doug. Yeah. yeah. The Greenhouse Secret Farmers. I mean, but, but, but see, like that's. Those are two really, really good but one shows yeah, that you mentioned. Yeah. For them. I really like them as well. But when she said yeah. she did the ban, I heard it was madness. There were lines at coffee shops. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. look at what that incurred just a lot. And then nothing happened. So yeah. the, it's like you spiked the economy. So I see where you're coming from thinking like, is this a trick? Because yes, cannabis crazy. stimulates any economy just like alcohol does. Yeah. There's there no difference. Go. Yeah. And but there's absolutely no difference. And I think that cannabis is much more sustainable and people can have a family and a life on it still. Mm. Whereas if you fall into alcoholism, you can't. So yeah. what's the you know, what's the hold up? What's the issue? Obviously obviously it's a money thing, but <laughs> what about this? I think that with this generation going out and the new generation coming in, I think, it, I think we'll be dealing with a whole new set of, of rules, standards, code of ethics, everything. And I also think that once mega companies like, you know, these companies that are more powerful than all the governments put together, companies Amazon. like Amazon, exactly. Yeah, Marlboro. Once they decide they are going, which I think I've, we've heard they are and they will then the governments will start doing what they want them to do. Cause they're the ones that make the rules. They're the ones that make the laws. They're the ones that get things passed. And they're the ones that are sitting with the politicians and cutting all the deals and making shit happen in the background. It's the people with all the money that control the power. And period. It's, and the tough part of that is just like we spoke about, it won't be the laws you and I want. No. It won't be the laws that help us out. It won't be for consumers by consumers by any means. Yeah. 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 And that's the same thing with legalization here. When they legalize, it's going to be a rough one because it always, we thought California with the, the amount of presidents we have before that and, and how they were doing it and how open, I mean, it was very open six, seven years ago. It was yeah. unbelievable. I moved out there. I couldn't believe it was how. like here where you could walk in a coffee shop and sell herb yeah. directly yeah, as a grower, shop. as a grower, as an and extractor. you could also grow. Is if you had 99 patients or yeah. whatever, you know, the, the typical guidelines, right? Very, you know, not, not the most complex system, but easy enough to follow, easy enough to say, hey, mind your business. Don't be an idiot. And that and was Prop 215, exactly, the medical one. Eh? Exactly. Yeah. Then in comes Prop 64 and no one read all the fine print, obviously. And that was the adult And then they one. kept changing mm -hmm. it, changing it, changing it, changing after it got passed. Refining it. But it's so was. that's what they do. And that's how, you know, welcome to politics. Yeah. Well, regulations and the whole state, there's like what a, a very, there's a handful of lounges, a handful. And then even then they're just wacky. I don't even. Yeah. Barbary coast. The best the we have San is in Francisco. San Francisco. They, they won that battle with, uh, you know, to have some lounges, but it's like, you know, 15 minute limit, 20 minute. It's nothing like the atmosphere in, in, in mm. Amsterdam. There's no all. tea being served, really. No, it's, there's no it's not welcoming. Yeah, it's it's very different. That's I, why we say it's, I, I've been get in, in get out. I've I've been in the states for two weeks or or for one week and a half, and uh, also to Canada, and I and it was in the middle end of of the winter. I was really excited and happy to finally 
buy some legal cannabis and also uh, go to some dispensaries. But then I finally had the herb. But then I thought, okay, where can I consume it? Because I couldn't smoke in my hotel. I couldn't smoke in my uh, rental car. Not in the dispensary, obviously. It was freezing outside. (laughs) So I smoked all those things in the fucking cold. Oh, sorry. But uh, it was... it was not, you couldn't really enjoy as much as you normally would at home or <laughs> at a lounge. Me, and absolutely yeah. not. I but was, then you were such yeah. a snob. When we were before standing in the garden, because we can't smoke inside here on the designated spot, then <laughs> said to me, there was this small bench. He said, Derek, come sit here. It's better. I said, ah, I'm standing. And he said, ah, to me, to really enjoy a joint, I'd rather sit down and <laughs> then stand right stand otherwise up. you're on yeah. a rush so funny. it feels yeah, like you're yeah. on a rush <laughs> yeah. yeah I don't you're like right. that you're right that's but an interesting to me, point to me that's more about like walking but if you are walking and smoking then it's not good see if I'm yeah. walking you gotta focus a bit I yeah. don't. but it's also like a thing I, I worked in a coffee shop for almost five years and uh, at some point I just was hating the, the people inside smoking because I was working in that environment and on every Every day, my nose was full and I was coughing, and it was because here ninety percent still mixed with tobacco. Not have to oh, say, wow. yeah, it's just full At tobacco. At least ninety percent, yeah, yeah. And thick. I was thinking, oh man, this should be only dispensaries, you know. Well, like Terps Army, they say no tobacco. Exactly. Yeah, he, he learned me to smoke. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a new uh, topic I want to yeah. uh, put on. What do you guys think about that? From Derp's army? Yeah. And oh. just the not allowing tobacco smoke. Well, no, no, but moments. they have to do it. They have to do it. The law changed. Since oh, April, they do? Yeah, oh, since wow. April 1st. That's a, a lot of Dutch people, they have no clue about this, but the law here is not against smoking. It's against tobacco. Yeah, but Derp's army- <laughs> So you can't army? smoke tobacco, but you can smoke weed inside a coffee shop as long as you don't mix it up with tobacco. So that's why a lot of the coffee shops now, they, they will offer you this uh, tobacco uh, alternative, which is like some kind of herbs or whatever. Actually, this company that we just had on the on the, the last previous, podcast, yeah, yeah the, on forty three, he made this new product that is an, made entirely out of hemp. So that's quite interesting, you know. Makes sense. Zero they would, THC. They, they would make hemp as, as the new, the new tobacco, or filler or whatever. It's, yeah. it's really a filler, yeah. But yeah. it makes no sense because that's well. Uh, Rens is more of a specialist, I, I would say, and you are longer now, in I, than I, me. I can, I can explain it a little Kicking bit. Kicking the tobacco. I've been, uh, I'm organizing a cannabis cup in the Netherlands. It's called the Homegrown Cup. It's just for small home growers and they keep compete to each other. I love it. And every year we, we invite some some special guests to get a little bit attention and uh, get some extra, uh, like people like them to be there and to talk to it. And um, so at some point, uh, we got uh, a tip from uh, Karma Genetics Huge. saying, because he always is around at the cup as well. But he said, uh, you should invite Lorenzo from Turps Army. He is a really specialist and you might like him as well. And uh, so uh, we invited him last December and he spent, well, I, I sent him a message because he was still in Spain and the whole uh, Amsterdam coffee shop was still not uh, there. And uh, so I, I asked him, like, hey, you, could you, would you like to be a judge for the Homegrown Cup? And uh, if you like, you can have to come over to the Netherlands because you have to judge them. And we can book a hotel for you or you can sleep at my place and uh, just hang out and just enjoy the Netherlands. And, uh, and he, he went for the second. He said, no, I don't go to the hotel. I will go to your place. 
I was like, okay, that's also like the mentality of the guys. You know, you, you notice how he is. And we had a very nice weeks and he had some problems with his plane. And it was just a COVID test was just needed and he didn't have and a lot of problems also with his dog. So he needed to go back to Barcelona. So he, he asked me to bring him back to Barcelona. He said like, do you want a free holiday at my place in Barcelona? Can you please bring me back to Barcelona? So I brought him back to Barcelona with the car. It was like a 16-hour drive. Wow. And I, I stayed at this place for a week. And there, yeah, he's just a, a passion. I never met, almost never met such a passionful guy with flowers and with, her, uh, with concentrates. Because uh, this guy is actually Italian, eh? He, he moved yeah. to Spain he, because he, in, in Italy the situation is really oh. bad for growers. So in Spain, especially Barcelona. It's good for growers. It's not like it's legal there, not at all. Right, right. But there are so many more opportunities. That's why he went there. And, and yeah. yeah, and he's just doing so great. And while I was with him, and I was still smoking with tobacco, tobacco, and uh, uh, and he never t told me anything about it. He never judged me. You know, he's always. I could even smoke in his house. Even uh, well, he has a no tobacco sign on his arm tattooed. <laughs> But he was super open, okay? He never judged me or anything. And, but I felt uh, at some point a little bit like I was smoking the whole time. And he was just smoking at the points he liked to be stoned, you know? He was more enjoying it. He was more yeah, respecting it or something. How I really saw it, like, I was even, like, abusing it almost, you know? I was yeah, but it's uh, true. It's, it's such a mind thing. And at some point, uh, I was at his house uh, in Amsterdam. It was like a few months later. But I still had that thing in my head. And then I just thought, okay, just let's try it for one day, you know, because I never really did it. And I, I never, or I tried it before, but it never worked out because I didn't have like the good people around me to, to help me. It's not because, important. Yeah, you, you need go. some tips, how to roll a joint, how to enjoy it, uh, which flower you need. Uh, because... It's with tobacco, you, you mix it up and it's covering all the bad things, you know. It's, you can smoke everything, it doesn't matter. You get a typical kind of stoned, which works super well for me, but it was just not healthy enough, you know. And I tried for a day and, and that first day, Lorenzo said immediately, well done, man. Okay, now we can talk. Okay, <laughs> finally, you know, I never wanted to say anything, but damn, good job. So uh, for me, it was, it's just little steps, but with the help of also Karma, uh, Lorenzo, uh, uh, the Fino Lab is also uh, one of my best friends. He is he, an awesome grower. I got some tree gems from him uh, with me and he really practiced. And yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm again a rookie. I still need to learn the flavors and all those things because also normally I could smoke Indica whole day long. And now I'm just slammed out on the floor. Uh, like now, like uh, in the beginning I had like, because I got a few hits of your joints. <laughs> Holy moly, man. I, I have to watch out the uh, next time. The Cali flavors are really intense, man. And I realize that even from the stuff that's shipped in, because I see you, uh, um, Dutch people buying the Cali weed. And then I've smoked the Dutch weed and the Cali weed. And to be honest, the Cali weed is power. And yeah. that's why I see people buying it and I get it. Yeah. Uh, now you guys just need those genetics and the government to back up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah. But also I was thinking like, uh, 
most of the the the, the Kelly weeds I've been I've saw the test results of the coffee shop I worked for. They were always around fifteen till twenty. Yeah, not super super interesting. High. And I get more stoned of it than yeah. like the weed of higher percentage of THC. And you guys were also mentioned in one of your episodes, like essential oils and the terpenes in it really gets has, you fucked up. That has more to do with it than the percentage exactly. of the THC. And, uh, the fact that they keep putting percentage on the THC is just... Con- that's our first thing. I got to do that because that's their thing. Yeah, so. it, it's just it's, uh, it's just confusing the consumer. <laughs> that's all that Thank is. You. It's a marketing tactic to just get your attention on it if you don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? If you don't know what you're talking about or you don't you don't know what you're doing when you're buying a product, you're like, oh, well, this one's, you know, because with alcohol, you don't do that. You never judge it on so the alcohol. Explain, explain basically the demonstration that guy did on the video when he talked about alcohol and uh, THC. Remember you were? Yeah, he said, okay, so can you imagine walking into a place and just saying, I'd like to buy alcohol um, with the highest percentage of alcohol? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With the high. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he says, it's very interesting because you have, like with high-end cannabis and others, right? People think, well, it's got to be the best. It has the highest THC. Yeah. Well, does Dom Perignon have the highest potency of alcohol? Yeah. Do, you know, do, do some of these and, but, but those are prized as high, you know, the highest of the high and the top brands. So why does it matter in cannabis? Because I mean, it is coming as a grower 18 years now, it means nothing to me. It really, you tell me THC and I, I think of it as like, oh, okay, cool. It's been proven that you can get higher off less THC percentage. Look at Skittles. I know you guys know about Skittles and I know we bring this up a lot on the podcast because it's one of those, everyone can relate to it. A lot of, it's a big hype strain. You smoke it most of the time, it's 16 to 18% THC. You're getting greenhouse Skittles most of the time. The indoors, maybe 21 to 23, 23 on the best growers, I'd say 26, maybe that's not considered high at all. Let alone you smoke that joint and the stoniest stoners are like, wow, this is intense. This is a, it's a, it really is psychoactive. And I think there's a lot to be said about psychoactive terpenes and psychoactive cannabinoids. Certain profiles, when you light them and they are fresh, act so much different and light up different synapses in your brain and, and nerves that it, it doesn't matter. The THC, the reason, the reason you got so high off this. Yes. Number one, it's grown well. Number two, it's good genetics. Number three, the most important, it's very fresh. Mm, very fresh. And freshly the, trimmed right here. The Cali That's weed. That's the they, biggest thing. Yeah. The fresher, the better. And it's all about fresh cannabis. So yeah, yeah. if cannabis is aged and sitting, it's going to give you that couch lock, cannabinoid, munchy, more negative side effect of the cannabis. And the smoking THC. experience. The fresher it is, the more psychoactive it'll be. And the more it'll have you in your creative senses, your creative thoughts creative communication, all these things that we, you know, experience as we, you know, have cannabis, especially for our first smoke of the day, as we come off of sleep or whatever, we haven't used for a while. You have that first smoke and it just kind of, if you have some good fresh cannabis that's grown well, it just sparks things that, you know, it's an enhancer. It turns to be an enhancer. It's not a inhibitor. That's what it should be. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's an enhancer. Yeah. And that has to do with how fresh it is. Okay. Yeah. We found that a lot being close to growers and close to grows and smoke and, you know, and obviously our relationship, 
that. But but isn't there like a sweet spot where like say after maybe three months after three harvest, weeks. three to three four weeks, weeks, you would say? I think that it's like, it's, a, it's like produce. Hmm. What produce can you age for months? So the mm-hmm. you know, I, I, or even flowers, that or even better rosemary. There's a difference between fresh rosemary and aged rosemary. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but there's a difference. And some people probably prefer fresh. I only cook like there, you know, and it's a difference with a lot of things like that. Well, cannabis is one of those things where people think, well, it's dry. So let's go eight months dry. Well, uh, THC turns to CBN and things start to convert off gassing of terps. So things don't mm-hmm. smell like they would or taste like they would, which which affects the experience. Yeah, exactly. And how about burn? It burn, gets yeah, wider absolutely. and harsher because there's less moisture. So like like a trick people will play to higher dry. THC will take a, not saying we, people will take a bud, over dry it, put it in a, a vacuum a dryer or a freeze rack, mm. right? Pull all the moisture out of it. Now that 0.5 has more THC per gram yeah, yeah, of course. than before with, with a little bit of moisture in it. So they play these games where I could, you know, maybe test 23% over dry it. Now that piece is testing 32. Okay. That's our 32. So you can't play the game with alcohol that, and that's the whole point is that the cannabis experience is meant to be for you. Mm. It's meant to be for you and you. And the cool thing is, is we get to share with each other, but it's for you. So why sit there and say, well, I need 30% or I need 31. Find out what works for you and then maybe, you know, share it with other people. But, but for people to just go in blindly and say, people are buying this or this is what the hype is or this is the wave right now, I'll take that. Man, that's not cannabis. It's and about you, finding you. And you know it from your experience being a bartender at the coffee shop that how much is the percentage of people that would just ask for the strongest one uh, it's frustrating it's not it 95% or something my really? boss my ex boss really made and then a, this was a, re- is a really good coffee shop too behind the name the the uh, THA pesticides and they only wanted to buy the highest one yeah. and I always trying to explain like <laughs> come on there's more than only the THC it's like like but yeah it's it's pretty uh, it's about tiring. educating the consumer and that's why we're yeah. here and that's why you guys are here because with the amount of, like I said, you know what I'm saying? With our insider knowledge, we can bring something different to the table and I can kind of shed light and pack out. We can all shed light on something a little different because we don't look for that and we're the top of the top consumers. Yeah. We grow yeah. The, can- the best cannabis in the country. You know, we have, and that's the last thing we ask for. Yeah, there's no connoisseur thinking about THC percentage. Exactly. There's yeah. not one. True. Yeah. It's all. about flavor, burn, how it smokes, the create. And what does passion, it bring out in you? The passion in you uh, with cannabis, oh, all those man. things. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening all your episodes, and I'm a big fan of you guys. But I always were wondering, and that's why I'm now finally able to ask those questions. Like, <laughs> how did you start this first smoke of the day? Because, like, I, I uh, like we we also started a little bit because there was just no any other good like. Not that we're good, but other no, other we podcasts. Are, we're the first Dutch language podcast ever on cannabis. Really. Yeah, we can always That's say awesome. that. Wow. <laughs> That's After all that history. That's dope. Yeah, 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 because there was no no other. And he was he's a journalist for more than over twenty five years and he knows everything. And I was always listening to him with my 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 mouth open and like wow, wow, all those things. And I was thinking like we should put a mic 
under it. <laughs> and we should host it because this is nice. Like I learn from it every day. I think more people should learn from it. So that's how we all started the podcast. And because all of us network, we could like invite nice guests. Like, for example, like you were talking about uh, a hero in this cannabis industry, in the Dutch cannabis industry. That's also Mila. Oh, yeah, 100% sure. sure. She is a legend. And I'm not so really much, of course, for the coffee shop industry, but for the cannabis industry as a whole and just for the whole space. Yeah. She's yeah. very. Like the uh, hash queen. The hash queen. Of yeah, course. exactly. So Absolutely. it's really a, lot, cool. a lot of, man, a lot of uh, history. Yep. With her for real. And we were blessed to sit down with her earlier before this, too. So, man, yeah. I would be- That's amazing. I mean, for me and him, we, we've been in the industry a long, long time. We've loved it a long, long time. And, we had a, we've had a project together that we founded together, moved to California at the same time. And, and uh, where, where are you guys from originally? We're from, we're originally from Florida. Okay. He's from the West coast of Florida. I'm from the East coast of Florida. We moved out to California. We created a brand called Blackleaf, which still exists. Yes, sir. And basically there's this subculture of cannabis that's going on and traveling all around the world right now and creating waves everywhere. I mean, even within the States and within other countries now, and it's all coming from California. And we just so happen to be friends with a lot of these people. And since we come from the industry, we know the industry in and out. We're friends with these people. We just felt like, you know what? For a few years, we've had the idea, but we just kept putting it in the back burner, putting it on the back burner because, you know, business, life, <laughs> it's really hard. This is like, like people think, oh, it's a podcast. It's just easy. You just set it up and <laughs> rip it. You know what I mean? Like but. That. No, it's an actual like business. It's a company. It's another brand. It's another project. It's another, it's another baby. You know what I mean? And this has meant a lot to me and something I've been wanting to do for a while. And he's really good on he, he, just a really good conversationalist and very informative when it comes to cannabis. And he inspired me a lot to dive deeper into that. So just seemed like a good matchup and the access we have and how I have a knack and I feel like he has a knack where we can meet people and they'll accept us in pretty quickly and trust us pretty quickly. And then we can get that out to the audience and get that out to the world. And I think that it's just important for us to take that leap of faith basically and get the content out to the world and educate the consumers because cannabis is is bigger than ever and it's not going anywhere and it's going to continue to grow every single year for the rest of our lives. So yeah, here we are. And, and, and it's another cool thing too is with podcasts is that, we get to have intimate conversations with people that we would otherwise have never got to sit down with. True. So yeah. that's an amazing part about this. And uh, for anybody listening or for anybody that is inspired by podcasts or learning or just having combos with people or whatever, like cannabis is a great way to get a group together to form a little community and share thoughts and just put your technology away and kind of zone out and dive deep into what, you know, whatever's happening in your life, whatever you want to see happen. Me and this guy for years would sit in his living room or my living room. We would smoke joints and we would talk about all the things we were going to do together. And, you know, granted be it, we've done most of those things. So it's, it's good. You know what I mean? And we honestly, we just started cutting these and dropping these and we didn't have any help. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know, (laughs) we didn't know anything. And it doesn't matter now because we come from experience and we've launched so many brands now and we screwed up so many times now that it's a lot easier to put this together and not that's like what get I like held to say. That's what I like to say about growing. Thanks. And that, I think that's what some sort of definition or a smart quote by somebody who says a real expert is somebody 
who's made all the all the mistakes and falls that you can make on a specific area. He's made them, <laughs> and this is this is what I usually use for the for being like a home grower. I, I've been gr- growing over twenty five years, mm-hmm. really only two times I think inside. But so with this Dutch climate. It's something else, you know, it's not California. It's certainly not Florida. It's just <laughs> a lot of rain and it's really bad. And it's people stealing your plants and it's snails eating your plants and all this shit. So th- this is what I, uh, I still like to do it because. Keep you sharp. No, nah, and it, it, keep, it keep you sharp, but also to handle plants, mm-hmm. you know. To, it's peaceful. To potting, to potting over these plants and sort of looking at them. Because that's what I've learned that any grower real good grower has told me and now I tell them whether I'm good or not but to a lot of other people looking at your plants that's the thing observing them it all starts there and it basically all ends there too if you really know the plants you know them from looking at them time and feeling a bit and then you sort of know beforehand what to do before problems get too big for instance I like how you put that too because there's a funny video that's going around and it went viral and it's a guy and he's laughing in the camera and he goes, who are you? He goes, you think you're doing well? He's like, I've already, I've already failed 10 times today. <laughs> and it's a funny thing because most people would take that as like, oh Lord, but it's funny because it's like, well, yeah. And now it took that to get, you know, so I just Absolutely. thought that was a funny point you made yep. because of that video. I mean, so you guys basically Amsterdam, what are you smoking out here? Like when you smoke, what strain? Well, it depends a lot. We mm-hmm. we're both on the on the High Life uh, Cup, which is like the oldest uh, cannabis cup in the Netherlands, organized by the oldest magazine, High Life magazine. So you get a lot of weed, and you get about three months to judge it all. And then when we were still smoking with tobacco, then it lasts you, and and maybe in the long run it it will work different. But usually, if you have the tobacco, it lasts you for a long time. So what I do is I have my homegrown plants that finish around September, October. They'll be dry in October. And I try to stretch the weed from the cup or from other cups until that moment. So I don't uh-huh. have to buy my weed in a coffee shop. And then, of course, I get a lot of weed gifted by growers and all this. But to me, uh, I've, I've, I'm a big haze fan always. Like Silver Haze has been, that was for me a defining strain way back. Before that, it was still I was smoking also foreign weed, like Congo wheat and Colombian wheat, really like pressed brown, bad wheat. And then skunk came along. I do be, I, that's when you're as old as me, you really had this, that the, really the first time that Northern lights came out, for instance, in the Netherlands, that people coming from France, from Belgium to coffee shops specifically because they know Northern lights was a strain that was for sale at the coffee shops there. But for me, the silver ace one was always a, like a, a benchmark strain. And now I'm really into the, uh, yeah, to the, to the American strains, just yeah. the gelatos and biscottis and just these fruity strains. And, but I'm, I'd say I'm different from, uh, because Rens is, you are almost 20 years younger than me. And I always say Rens, if you say that wheat is bad, you don't know shit, the kind of <laughs> shit wheat I have smoked in my time. I'm bad hash as well, you know, but just really, really bad. So don't tell me that this weed is bad. This weed is like mediocre. It's like mitts. You, you got to have a bit of respect, you know, there's so much worse <laughs> weed. You're, you're too much of a snob sometimes. We are spoiled these days from back in the day. Yeah, the, I realized the, the, that. The, totally. The problem yeah, totally. is, yeah, I, I, I learn a lot from like Lorenzo and, and Karma and uh, all his friends, uh, but I'm not a grower myself. I, I try to make sure the growers can grow and I try to organize things 
to appreciate the growers and that the fact that are doing all those work all these years in the black market. Uh, so I, I can uh, always like get some good flowers from a grower I know, but uh, I have the moments I don't have the possibility. And then I really uh, understand like how lucky I am and how different the quality is than when you buy it in a commercial shop or in a coffee shop or so, uh, yeah, we're really spoiled, I have to say. And I, I hope like it's getting like, we have a discussion a lot with uh, like going smoking pure and uh, 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 we, we notice a lot of coffee shop weeds and they get selected out by growers who are still smoking with tobacco. Like this is my, how oh, I see it. Wow. That's how they judge it. Like they judge yeah. the growers in Holland, they judge with tobacco. So uh, yeah, well, no. my friends that smoke pure, they also select them while smoking pure. So they know how they taste pure. and. Sometimes if they smoke hogs, they don't select them. That's yep. like me going to a whiskey competition and then mixing some vodka in your whiskey and saying, how does it taste? That's yeah, the just best coke. one, isn't it? Just go. Yeah. That's the best one, right? Yeah. Except, I mean, how you, you have you, you, no chain of, you're getting muddled. You're, I mean, what tobacco are you even using? Is everyone using the same nope. or using different than him? Because now you're getting flavor profile differently. It's true. But what's very interesting about this, that I've been judging a while on the, on the High Life Cup uh, jury. And I've always also uh, judged with the tobacco because it's my benchmark. Okay. From any weed or hash I smoked in my life, I smoked with my own tobacco. It's called Japanese Boys. I sort of long for it, but I've said goodbye to it now, you know? <laughs> For a month, but it smells really good. It's dark tobacco. Very and European thing. Tobacco with, with hashish or I know, flour. I know. And this, uh, a lot of people on both sides of the Atlantic, I think, do not understand. For us, when I started smoking, getting high, it was all hash. You could just only get hash. And, That's what and Milo was saying. A lot of yeah. different kinds. I even had Turkish hash, which is now you can never see it anymore in a coffee shop. What was the best you've had? Libanese. No, that was like legendary even before my time. They call red, it Lebanon. Red, red Lebanon. But to me still, the best hashish you can get if it's the real stuff is just Nepal. Nepal temple balls. Mm -hmm. The real dark, real sort of soft. Sticky. Sticky. Yes. Very, yeah, just a minty kind of a flavor to it. It's so like nice. That. It's just, a, I, but like, <laughs> I, I like a lot of stuff, you know, even mediocre hash. We say this so, all the time. We're as big of fans of the industry or as we are yeah. in it. Like we, I love product, love trying, like we're buy this hash, buy this, yeah. which brand is this? Let's try that is just as and much I, as we are producers. And I really, I must say that for the, if you have a good coffee shop with a good hash menu, it can be just as much of an adventure to have all the different flavors and the different textures and the different effects with the hash. And this is, this is a thing why I'm not, I hope that I can stay off the tobacco forever, really, for sure, for sure. After 35 years, it'd be good. You know, I don't want this COPD. I don't want any lung cancer. I just want to smoke pure. I don't want to die. You know? yeah, yeah. But then Hell I talked no. to this, to this old friend of my Belgian friend and he said, and I think he's right, but maybe, yeah, it's all in the process. He said, I, I smoked everything, used all the, all the drugs that there are basically, I believe him. <laughs> and he said, the effect you get from tobacco and hashish, you simply do not get it from 
from smoking pure hashish, from vaping the hashish, from eating the hashish, from doing something else. So to, to have that specific sort of really stoned out effect of, of real hash and, and really light it down is, for it's it. It's potent. You like really might, you really might, yeah. might need the tobacco, but then I look at it, ah, but if I get all this, these other experiences and these different kinds of high and I can understand the, the flavor. You're very right about it. It's really crazy to mix it up with tobacco. It's but, tough. But it's then, very different from the U.S. Yeah, and but but then for me, I'm so used also to how do you roll with tobacco. Hey, that's what it's good for. It keeps it burning for sure, even if the weed's dried very bad, you know. <laughs> even <laughs> if the weed's really mediocre, you mix it up with tobacco. It'll burn, no problem. And same for the hash shot. That's, that's, yeah, it's, to I me, feel it's like a, born out of necessity from a older. Now there's so much prevalence in how much weed is actually being produced. Oh yeah, because that's what's a, but what I was going for mm-hmm. to, to, make, to make the comparison there. It, what I've learned from everybody in America and in Canada is to get foreign hashies, say from Afghanistan, from Morocco. You never, ever, ever get it. You get, you get weed that's either in the old days from Mexico or from somebody that's growing it wherever in the U.S. You, you get your homegrown American wheat, but you don't get foreign uh, hashies. And here it was like totally the other way around. So yeah. a lot of people started doing that. And to, to smoke this foreign hash, it is, it is a lot harder without the tobacco. That's just a really nice and convenient way to do it. If you put it in, in, a, in an iron pipe, for instance, you can do it. But it's a, it's a different way of smoking. And I think it's also different from smoking uh, weed. I think different generations as well. See, the tobacco thing never was big in the U.S. And then also we grew up smoking with pipes. Mm-hmm. So it was such yeah, a common place. Yep. Yeah. So it's not European to smoke a bong either. Even when I came up smoking hash in like 2002, 2003, 2004, we were taught, well, I was taught you put one little piece in there, you get a cherry on it. You, t- you don't even hit it with the lighter. You just tap it. And once it catches a cherry, you blow out the, the, you know, and then you just pass it around and yeah. it's almost like a, a medieval or like yeah, a yeah, Indian yeah. thing, you know, or realistic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's very psychoactive. Okay. Hashish is very different. Yeah. And then especially if you eat it, man, why are there no coffee shops that just specialize in hashish? Yeah. 15, 20 different kinds. Only they used de- to have it. Only the, devices to smoke hash. The consumers, they want the wheat. Man. Really. They want yeah. wheat. Only it's like twenty percent. Yeah, twenty percent smoke hash anymore. Oh, really? But I, but I personally think it's now I'm smoking for two and a half months pure. I'm really thinking like everyone should try to change. You know, it's like a whole cultural in the Netherlands or all, maybe whole Europe. Should because try. everybody in Europe is doing it. If you go yeah. to Spain, they're all mixing with cigarettes. France, everywhere. I like. enjoy the options. Like I enjoy some days where we just smoke flour, but then coming here, it's like, oh yeah, let me try some hash or. Let me try this, sir. And you know what I don't see much in Amsterdam that I used to see a lot of movies and pictures of? Blonde hash. Mm, yeah. Like cream colored. Yeah. And I brought that up and a lot of people say Corona and trade routes. Yeah. yeah the true. best stuff it either gets caught up or doesn't make true. it out or, you know, it's issues really with. They, yeah, can't, they, get, changed they a lot. can't get the Moroccan anymore. Man. And, and I would say in the Netherlands, 70 to 80% of all the hash that we, uh, that's sold here in the coffee shop is from Morocco. And this has changed. They, they got like a bigger share of the market because like I said, when I was young, you get more India, uh, Nepal, Afghanistan. And owners as well, right? I hear most of the, like a lot of the, the issue is a lot of the owners now of coffee shops are also Moroccan or also people coming yeah, in. True. And the Dutch who have had pride and who had the, 
small setups of grows and who, who ran the shop with pride because it was their neighborhood as well. It mm-hmm. wasn't just mm-hmm. they're out and people who, you know, foreigners have come in and own the shop and it's basically an ATM. It's yep. a, it's a money place and that's about what it is. And that's, we've talked to a lot of growers who I understand with, because some of it parallels to the U S where you're trying to get your product in a shop and they're like, well, can we get it for cheaper? Because yeah. that's the only thing they're worried about instead of finding those shops that want to work with skilled growers who are taking those leaps and choices, you know, like we've Take met the extra mile mean green. Yeah. One of the guys that we met, awesome yeah. gr- grower, great knowledgeable dude. And it was interesting because his struggle paralleled our struggle in California in the beginning is Blackleaf. It really did. It was like all these shops that don't want to pay anything over what they've been getting on the street. They'll only buy this because of the price. And they can clearly see there's a difference in quality. And we had to convince them by showing them how many people would show up and that our flower would sell twice as fast. So you make twice the money. So then you still went out. And only some of the dispensary owners would even wrap their head around that. Yeah. It's like, I got to grow it and then I got to sell it for you. Let me just hand you the money, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and and it's yeah. interesting because it all comes down to how you brought up a while in the beginning of the podcast, passion, love for the product. And without that, all you get is the greed and the money and all the other stuff with it. And like, I just can't wait to come back to Amsterdam because I know they're going to do the right thing. I know what's going to happen. Yeah. That we're going to come back. I agree. This and the happen. market's going to be booming and they're going to have grows and you guys are going to have growers from other countries who are the stars coming here to show you like, Hey, let me show you what I can do. Cause it's the same thing that have with legalization, the bad and the good come the good meaning growers are coming out of the woodwork, wanting to start working again and strains and they can, cause they don't, they're not worried about thieves or bus, but you're also going to have to deal with a lot of nonsense. Like, maybe not being able to smoke in the coffee shops. They might just be retail. Yep. Yeah. But like still what happened to us. Uh, what you yeah. see now uh, in Amsterdam, but also in other cities is that some coffee shop owners because of COVID, it was not uh, possible to have like the consumption room. So you could only have like, you buy it and then you go away. And then when that, when they got used to that after a few months, they're saying, oh, I don't need the personnel. I don't need to clean it up. It saves me a lot of money. Maybe if COVID is gone, would just be a dispensary. And they're like, we make it the same money. Yeah. Or almost the same. No, 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 more. More. They make more oh, money yeah. because less they don't. Cost. Yeah, less oh, cost. Oh, man. So then these are people that, uh, to my, for me, they don't give a fuck about what we call like the social aspect of the coffee shop, which is, to me, is the culture. Is very important. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's, it also has a lot to do with like younger, unexperienced consumers being, being there, you know, and learning to smoke and how to do it in the coffee shop. And meeting. We met a guy. We're sitting there. Next thing you know, we just strike up a conversation with a guy um, from Switzerland. And he's growing on the side of a mountain. And he's got these huge plants. It looked like it could have been on the front cover of a magazine, you know. And there, without that, we would have never. We would have bought our weed and ran somewhere and hid Absolutely. and smoked it. Yeah. Which is like crazy. Compared to having a great social interaction with somebody I would have never met otherwise who then we went out and spent money at, at other places. Yeah. And I can tell you this happens all the time. Yeah. And, and a lot in Amsterdam, because obviously we get so many people from all over the world going here. But as you know, also in, uh, in Eindhoven, my favorite coffee shop that was unfortunately closed down by the mayor, but for years and years, they were on the only one that had a big outdoor terrace with the coffee shop. You could smoke the weed. They, you could even have alcohol, which was like, 
Not even in Super Amsterdam rare. was yeah. this possible. Yeah. And the, it's a the, big no no. <laughs> the atmosphere there was just so fantastic with Italians and students and all the people and total freaks and all these people. They all love to have a smoke. You know, mm-hmm. have a, so many people love to smoke some wheat or smoke some And you see people hash. conversating from table to table. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like the only place where the multicultural uh, society yeah. Yeah. has worked out. Like, I, when, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I worked at the bar, uh, the coffee shop. It's I true. saw like a Moroccan from all kind of countries and directions. They were all sitting together, enjoying and talking about really decent things, you know. And, uh, and it was really... I. I always thought, oh man, I really need to make a picture, you know, because this is unique, you know, maybe it's yep. gone in a few years, you never know, but this is so cool. I, you never see it in a bar or any place almost. Yeah. Like it's super special and I really, we really have to hold that special thing, you know, it's almost the only place in the world you can have that kind of uh Right now feeling. it is. Our cannabis cultures are very parallel. The, yeah. the United States and Amsterdam, uh, we're fighting for things we don't have. And we have the things we have, but we don't, you know, we, we're like, okay, that's cool, but we want this, you know, and I, I get it. It's a struggle all the way to the finish line, you know, and but, I hope it never gets there for you guys like it did for us, where it's yeah. very difficult. We can't smoke anywhere. We can't, you know. It's going to come around. Yeah, well, it's, I love it here. You guys have the most beautiful city. It's meant for this. It's meant for you guys to take your place in history, which you already have, but to step up and be like, the California of Europe, the California of this side, meaning like you're a producer, you're yep. a seller. People come from all over to come see you guys. You know, well, this this guy I mentioned earlier when you asked uh, about who are the three, uh, who are the main giants, you know, the real pioneers <coughs> of the coffee shop industry. One of them, Bernard Browning, famously said when he learned from a guy from California called Old Ed, a very old grower. He was like uh, already growing, I think, end of the 60s in California. And after he learned from, from him how you could grow, indoor and in a, in, a, in a greenhouse he said i'm going to turn the netherlands into the jamaica of europe <laughs> i like and, that and these he, he, he sort of yeah that worked out that's funny this this Werner guy he's such a he was he's absolutely a visionary Prolific. Yeah. yeah and he's the he's the guy who first ever showed me the rick simpson oil and it, yep. this was years ago and he said to me this will change so much which you know medicinally now, uh, small children and old people who don't want to smoke, they can just have a few drops. It'll change everything. Oh, and, yeah. And I was sort of super skeptical, thinking, nah, this stuff, it tastes a bit bitter. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy because you see it work with a lot of people in the States with MS, multiple sclerosis, oh, yeah. and other things where they'll have seizures and they go from having like 30 seizures a day yep. to like zero or one. And I mean, can you imagine having 30 seizures a day? You'd at that point, you'd say, I'll take anything. Like, just give me any. And then you have people saying, no, this is not right. We, uh, we don't think you should be taking this. It's like, go sit down on the couch next to that person with their seizure, you know? And that's the issue is that I think a lot of the mayors and a lot of the people just need to go to the coffee shop and actually experience it. And not in a political way, not with a bunch of people around them or security what, you know what I'm saying? Like, go and just experience what's really happening Absolutely. there. Yeah. If you only spend half an hour, like, say, undercover, have a cup of coffee, then yeah. you see you see what it's all about. And also, you see that there's no problem. It's the know? same thing the with opposites. cultivations. Mm. If you actually walked through a cultivation and met a couple growers yeah. who yeah. were real growers, maybe Dutch growers, who has the love and the passion, similar to Mean Green. I mean, you talk to him for a while and you can feel the passion, you know? I yeah. mean, a lot of these guys we've talked to, and that will break all stereotypes. 
You yeah. see what a garden looks like. You see how clean oh, yeah. the right growers keep it. This is, I mean, if anything, they've helped build infrastructure. They spend money. Mm-hmm. The, the whole team, their whole employees. Oh yeah. They pay for lunches, you know, all the businesses around them. Boom. And then you meet the right grower or the right owners and it breaks their stereotype of who they think really is running the show. And that's helped a lot for us in the United States. I know just in with my parents and then even investors, I meet investors and I get a lot of the time like, man, we didn't know what to think. We thought you would be this. We thought this with everything, but someone that was presentable and on top of their shit and actually went to college or actually, you know what I'm saying? And, And we're still breaking those stereotypes, but we're able to. And I absolutely love doing that. And that's what this podcast is about as well. Breaking stereotypes. Yeah. Yep, that's, you know? I also mentioned when I try, was trying to open up the coffee shop, I was talking with local politicals. And when we finally had a meeting, they always, when we first met, <laughs> they always thought like there was, I, I was like a big ass motherfucking criminal with tattoos full, you know, and it was like a, a small dude just <laughs> yeah, with a fucking plan and a passion. Yeah, yeah. I just want to try to fix something, you know, and, and it was, I was always like, I saw it in the face, you know, they were like relief, like, Ooh, like normal dudes, yeah. you know, and uh, that's always helped a lot, but it's still, you know, we are still facing all those kind of taboos yeah. still in his life. Yeah. That's terrible. But uh, we have yeah. one generation to go, then that'll be over with. Yeah. I yeah. I like really think of, yeah. yeah the, completely I, different um, mindset. Yeah. Completely different series of thoughts. Um, and just, it just has to do with our upbringing and the things that people had to see during those difficult times and, and, and times of less, you know what I mean? What they've so, been told and taught through propaganda media. And you can imagine we are much more free to make up our own mind than back in the days of our ancestors. They had one way to look at it. Oh, you'd be killed for cannabis. That's what was crazy. Well, with well, I'm me just like, saying like you, you, you're like, that's bad. And that's the only way you could look at it. Gotcha. That was the only way it's gotcha. presented. That it was like there, unless you knew someone and you had some special situation, which is very, very, very rare. You just know. Cause in high school, even for me, my age, I'm like, Oh, if you're smoking weed, you're a bad kid. <laughs> that's how it was for me. <laughs> yeah, and me I graduated too. 2006. So like I say, we're the generation that's now getting it and understanding it and kind of educating people. And, and, and there is some of the older generation that is reaching down and embracing it. But for the most part, it's the older generation that was brought up by their their propaganda. parents through that hardcore propaganda, reefer madness, all this stuff trained into their head that if you smoke weed, you become a crazy person. Basically, you, you know you what think, I mean? So do you think Instagram helped a lot with it or did it already start? I mean, with the Instagram forums? just interconnected everybody globally. Massive. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it really did. And I think it helped a lot of things. And I think it hurt a lot of things. You know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, that's another, that's a whole nother yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Even with genetics, yeah. I have a love and hate relationship. I have stuff, access to stuff now and I get stuff and I can give stuff to people everywhere at the same time. Very hard to protect things because yeah. everyone can give everyone anything people can ship. Th- I mean, you name it, it happens. And at the and it gets spread so fast. I mean, look at purple punch back in the day, you might have a strain you'd give it to five people and five people. I would laugh because I'd be like, they'll all lose it within a year (laughs) because of all the hardships a grower goes through nowadays. They've already given it to 50 other people. I mean, that thing's out. You're, you're done. And so with Instagram, there's a lot of interesting things uh, interwebbed, but man, 
Yeah, man. We're wrapping up, man. Where can we find you guys? High T Podcast. On all platforms? Or yeah, yeah, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, YouTube. And on our website, uh, High T Podcast. And podcast spelled with a T. That's the pod. Podcast. Little joke at dot NL. I like and, that. Uh, yeah, it was a real pleasure Absolutely. With you guys. We could and go for a day. Yeah. I already yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Marathon. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, part two coming up. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just really wishing you a lot of joy in the Netherlands and uh, the Europe tour. Absolutely. And the rest of the continents. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Stay high. I love it here. Derek Renz, we appreciate you having you on and we appreciate you guys uh, accepting us in your country and, you know, you ha- essentially having us on your podcast. So, yeah. Thank it's you very awesome much. Awesome collab. Thank First smoke so of the day times high tea podcast. Great hybrids. Thank you. Peace. Thank you so much.